Welcome to Out of the Blank. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Tom. Tom, for everybody out there listening, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah, I'm uh, just an ordinary guy. I have a background in uh, computer science and engineering. And for the last 15 years, I've been really interested in checking out um, the data that supports scientific claims. And actually, I started, there was an ivory-billed woodpecker controversy back in 2005. And that, that's how I got started in this whole thing. There was a peer-reviewed paper that said that the bird had been rediscovered and they had pictures of it, et cetera. And I, me as a bird watcher, I checked into it and I looked at the video and I looked at the pictures and you could see easily that they had no proof at all. But it was amazing that it lasted for a couple of years where uh, tons of people believed that they had rediscovered this extinct woodpecker and their evidence was nothing. They had nothing to support that. They had uh, blurry pictures and they had uh, some recordings of some sounds and some eyewitness accounts that uh, were not very good accounts. And um, anyway, that's how I got into looking at the evidence for myself. And from there, then I got into the global warming debate. And I've been super interested in that for uh, close to 15 years now. So you're kind of like a skeptic or like a Mick West style, like debunker. I had Mick West on the show. I mean, I thought skeptic was like conspiracy, like, like uh, getting really down into the conspiracy stuff, but skeptic apparently means that they debunk like claims like the nine 11 stuff and a bunch of stuff. Now, without going super deep into that, they come with thorough evidence and base conclusions on things like UFOs. Like they say it's, Oh, it's a glare of this or it's that. And it's a lot of like currently looking through information and being able to sort out if it's a hoax or if it's just someone running off with a narrative, because more than likely people just hear a certain thing and they start repeating it and then going around about it. So I reached out to you because I came across your blog and came across your page talking a little bit differently about what the public would say climate wise, which I think is important because if anybody believes that anybody is saying anything 100% face value when it comes to news, like, come on, like we can't be those types of people. And I've always been that person to question. And then you get labeled a conspiracy person Well, I go, well, no, I'm just asking for evidence and I'm asking for your rationality behind it. And you end up finding out information upon it later, which I came across your blog and I reached out to you. Now, I, I told you in the beginning, like, like we're, we're going to go step by step through your blog as well, too, because you have some important stuff on there. And it, it, anybody that can come, even if you're not a scientist and people are going to be like, well, I want to hear from a climate scientist. Well, more than likely, they're focused in their whole thing. So I'm trying to get people from all sides of the spectrum kind of here to be able to talk about something that they've researched their own perspective in. And I want you to enlighten me on yours as well. Yeah. So one thing I really enjoy is that there's so many specific claims that they make, like crop yields, for example, et cetera. There's so many specific claims that you as an ordinary person, you can check that for yourself, that you don't need to be a climate scientist or you don't need to do, use a differential equations or anything. You can just actually look at the data on crop yields over the years and you can see, are, are they going up or are they going down? So I, I, I don't know why uh, I'm, I still have a ton of enthusiasm for this after all this time. And I have found out that uh, lots of other skeptics have been like me where they believed it at first. Like when I first saw uh, the claims that uh, the earth was warming up really fast and it was dangerous, I, I believed it. Absolutely. And a lot of other skeptics that I know have, have done that same thing. 
they believed it at first. But as soon as you start checking into it for yourself, right away, uh, maybe in the first day, you, you can see that um, the claims they're making don't match up with reality. So I, I just really enjoy it overall. Why, why do you think that I guess there's been a whole like because there has been a whole like it, it seems like when they couldn't spin the COVID pandemic uh, narrative anymore, they would either go to the race narrative or that now it was seemed like it was climate change. And now we're kind of like in this war thing where they're constantly focusing on Russia. But that should be anybody's first question to be like, is the information that you're receiving 100 percent the information or are they trying to scare you so much? Because that's what I see a lot of is a lot of fear mongering. But um, what really gets me is like when they bring up the climate change thing, they go, you have to act now or it's going to do this. I'm like, you guys have been saying that for so long. The issue is, is when there is a serious emergency that people aren't going to react to it like how you want them to when they should be reacting quick because you've been saying it for 50, 100 years. Now I get it if you're worried about the ending outcome or the long lasting effects. But can you be honest with people? Like I always said, if you can take like a million dollars and you had a in one hand and then you had a pile of shit in the other. Like give them both. So people know the options that you're giving. And sadly, people have just been given the shit for far too long where I, I, I want you to walk me through, I guess, the main point when it comes to climate change or the whole global warming thing that you can just stop someone in their tracks and be like, hey, this is actually what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing I really enjoy is uh, looking back through old newspaper or magazine articles. That is super interesting to me to see what uh, people were being told in the 1970s. I don't know if you've seen much about that, but there definitely was in the media, a global cooling scare in the 1970s with article after article saying, temperatures have gone down since the 1940s. And if they continue to go down at this rate, we're gonna be heading for an ice age and there's gonna be worse drought and the crops are gonna fail, et cetera. The government has to do something about this upcoming uh, looming ice age. That's what we're being told. And then the earth stopped warming, which I believe it was a natural thing. I mean, I'm sorry, it stopped cooling in the 1970s. It bottomed out and it really did start warming again. And then the narrative flipped around that, okay, now it's warming. And if it continues warming at this rate, um, then we're gonna be in huge uh, trouble and the crops are gonna fail and we're gonna get increased drought again, where they just told us that drought was caused by cooling. Now drought's gonna be caused by warming. So I, I really like to go back and uh, research that history of, of the news articles. When, um, like, we're, there's constantly been talks about renewable energy to be able to help out with global warming and these types of concepts. But when we type in, like, the narrative for so long was that, it, like, nuclear energy was a fear for a lot of people because you grow a third arm. Then I was on this show and I pulled up nuclear energy and the government's talking about how it's a more of a safe and effective way, I guess, would be helping out with climate change. Now, is that is there any truth to that that you've come across in your information? Yeah, I'm for sure not an expert on that either, but uh, I do think nuclear is a reliable way to generate power and countries like France have been using it in real life uh, successfully. Um, so if you're, if you seriously think that carbon dioxide uh, has a chance to kill us all, definitely you should be all in on nuclear power, I, I think. Uh, but my personal view is that if we did go all in on nuclear power versus fossil fuels, there would be no uh, measurable difference in the climate or weather in 2050. I think nuclear power is fine, but I don't think it's going to prevent any bad weather and um, no uh, measurable effect on the weather that I can see. I mean, it's yeah. it, it just gives people a better, I guess, avenue to go for an electric car 
And I've kind of noticed that with gas prices increasing, people are going to be more apt to buy an electric car just to save on the price of gas. And I go, well, you're not even having an option. If more people switch over to electric cars, then you're going to phase out gas cars because you're just, they, they can just jack up the price for the stubborn people who don't want to get an electric car. And that's not it's not an easy option for everyone, but we see that happen. And what I honestly think this whole situation is, much like any situation or any event or anything that happens that gets reported on the news, is that it's been a large, major miss amount of information only on the concept of people trying to sway a narrative that get best gets them more profit and i think that's with the electric car companies with a giant push to that because nobody's talking nuclear right now there are some scientists that are talking about it on like rogan or something but you're not seeing a major news station talk about this you're not seeing the president speak about this they're doing electric cars and i've mentioned what alex jones says and you can toss alex jones in a pile if you want but he's talked about that with like the global greening that's happening it's actually plant life is bigger plant life is larger i've talked to agricultural scientists who have said yes that is happening so you start going like what is true where can i start and for anybody like myself out there listening where would you recommend people really dive in for the information because i feel like google's not going to give you what you want no, it's not. Uh, one of my favorite sites is Climate Depot by Mark Morano. That's a great place to look for uh, headlines of all sorts of uh, portions of the climate debate. So that's one good place to start. Uh, I uh, follow me on Twitter. That's another place. Um, I don't know if you've been to uh, What's Up With That, it's spelled W-A-T-T-S, What's mm -hmm. Up With That. That is a fantastic uh, blog that's been out there for a long time. And um, Anthony Watts does a really good job of uh, digging into all sorts of uh, climate debate issues. And he's really into um, checking out the accuracy of the weather stations around the, the US. He's done a lot of work there to see, um, is there a bigger uh, warming trend in, uh, in urban settings than versus rural settings? He's done a great job of looking into that because of the urban heat island effect. Because in the center of the city on a hot day, it can be much warmer than it is in the surrounding rural areas. So some of the uh, global warming trend that we've seen even since the 1970s is not because of carbon dioxide, it's because of more, more pavement and uh, more heat coming from, uh, from houses or even some of those um, temperature stations are near an airport where there might be some heat, heat coming from jet fuel, et cetera. Anyway, Anthony does a really good job of very carefully drilling down into that type of controversy. And with this in general, I mean, if you're speaking out about climate and the opposite of the narrative, I would say, Try, even if, you're, if your information is right and you're telling people like, hey, it's not happening like this, it's so hard for like, I, I, I'm honestly like surprised that you would get into something like this when you could choose like a 9-11 conspiracy or you can choose any of those types of things because people will label you as such. And then that just deters you and they'll call you names. They'll say things without you even, without even knowing you. And that's the issue is that there's not an open discussion about these types of things. If a scientist wants to debate the science on it, okay, let me see the science but also who's funneling those tests you're focusing on key specific points as well too rather than focusing on the whole general narrative of the thing where you could be running with the wrong information so when i go and type in a climate thing like opposite of what the climate change narrative is it sends me into a category with like are are you are you a conspiracy person i'm like no i'm not a conspiracy person but if you type in on wikipedia and you type in cover-ups there's thousands of cover-ups that you guys have done so i'm not going to let you sh choose my information 
question for me. So I figured I saw your blog post, which I want you to pull up. And I also want you to walk me through it as well, too, because I think it's valuable information for anybody out there listening who might have some questions. And if anything, it's going to push people to go search up the information for themselves and let them see the real evidence that's going out there. Because your comments, for instance, as far as I've seen, have been pretty healthy when it comes to people agreeing with the same thing, that there's just a lot of people that are not willing to look into this thing. It's, I don't, I don't know when people decided like, it's okay to blame like themselves for issues. Like for so long, it's about pushing the blame onto something else. But now people are like, we are warming up the earth and now they're fighting each other where I'm like, guys, what are we doing here? You're causing more of a stir up, which is causing somehow LinkedIn with prices of things increasing. And then people going, well, it's to help the climate out. So we got to use more recyclable straws. And I'm like, well, you end up giving up on that and that doesn't go all the way through. So you're leading to a point, I guess, long-winded speech for this little short point is that you're leading to decisions being made that start out as a good act or start out as what they say, good act. Then they become mandated and then they become the only thing available, which leaves people in a position. And then they end up throwing it all out anyway towards the ending after they realize that a year later that it's not going to work out. Like it's not fair to a lot of people if you're going to say like not every single person, like even the mass, for instance, there are dollar mass, but not everybody has a dollar, you know, and then they say they don't work. And now they're saying they don't all work all together. You start getting to this point where you're you're building up mistrust that I think you should just be honest with people. And if you're trying to spin a narrative to sell gas or sell cars or do whatever, you need to tell them that. Or you need to do something or just let it naturally get to that point. But somehow you've gotten to the, the main media corporations, not you, but the main media corporations have gotten to a point where there's a large amount of dishonesty that gets out there. And that like myself, who's wondering what the hell's going on, I'm looking for people to show me what they've seen and be able to talk to these people much like yourself to be able to show me like, hey, yeah, they're their weather is changing, but it's not like how they're spinning it to be. Like it was just 20 degrees last week on um, one day, then it was 65 and then it's back to 30 something degrees. So yeah, there's fluctuations in weather, but it's just always happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, one point I wanted to make is that I for sure don't see that as this as a conspiracy where there's tons of people that are pushing it that know that uh, what they're pushing is not true. I think an enormous amount of people that are pushing uh, the danger of trace CO2, I think they sincerely believe it. That's my guess. I mean, I'm, I'm not a mind reader, but I definitely don't think that there's people that go to work every day uh, pushing this that know that they're lying, that they secretly agree with me, but uh, they're lying to try to uh, get additional money or power or anything. I think a lot of people believe it. I think there's a lot more groupthink here than conspiracy is what I like to say. Yeah, but they're, they're not looking at uh, another perspective, I would say. It's like kind of having a boardroom of people then everybody agreeing with you. You want that one person that's like, I don't think that's a great idea, you know? Yes, I do think a lot of people have gone all in on this without spending one hour seriously looking at the um, arguments on the other side. That's the impression I get from talking to a lot of people on both sides. And it's even, um, yeah. there was a Andrew Kessler, I think on Joe Rogan. Now he seems like he had a lot of information and stuff too, but a lot of people were like taking memes from him and clipping them saying, oh, he doesn't debate. Oh, he doesn't debate. Well, he's not really showing science. The, the issue is whenever you get into these climate talks or something like that, someone will say, oh, well, I, we have the studies on that. It's like, well, show the studies. They always just mention the studies. I'm like, well, I can say that I have a, a grandpa that's out in China. It's not true, but I could just sit here and say it and you wouldn't be able to tell right. if I did or not. Right. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that too. Yeah. Yep. 
So if you want to um, yeah. pull up uh, your blog, for instance, so we can see yeah. some of your blog, and you can walk me through here. some of the steps as well, too. Because I know, like I said, a little bit about climate change, but how much do I really know compared to how much stuff I keep hearing? Okay. Hopefully you can see this, uh, my blog over here. Some notes for Tom climate Nelson. skeptics. Notes for climate skeptics. Tom Nelson yeah. blogspot. Yeah. So um, this is what I used a lot more before I switched over mostly to Twitter these days. But what we're looking at here is my um, notes for climate skeptics, where I make some key points here about... Um, one thing that I don't think people really look into is, is the earth currently too hot? I'm constantly asking people, what is the optimum temperature for the earth? Because uh, as you look back through history, humans have for sure done much better in warmer periods than in cold periods. And I don't see any reason to believe that the earth is currently too hot. And the, uh, we're told that the global average temperature right now is about 59 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, the average annual temperature here in Minnesota, where I am, is about 45 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, there, there is no reason, there's no uh, real reason that I can see that that is too warm. Uh, constantly people are vacationing in warmer areas. And when people get older, they like to retire in warmer areas. And if you look at a map uh, of the population distribution on earth, people tend to want to live in warmer areas. So anyway, the fundamental assumption that the earth is too warm is not true. I think um, a lot of that is what happens when they hit like a peak hotness on like a summer day or something. It's like 100 degrees or 110 or something. And they think that like oh, when they hear that narrative, it's like, oh, it must be true. And then they forget about it a week later. But if honestly the earth was currently too hot, just from like a my own perspective, wouldn't water be melting? But we're hearing the water rise every single year. So, I mean, if we're talking about like maybe people's points would be icebergs or certain things in the Arctic that are melting. Um for instance, they stopped playing polar bear commercials in a sense for like Coca-Cola ads because it was getting people upset. But I'm, I look at it like people will get upset over anything. So you're kind of just hopping on the bandwagon of like, now you don't have to do commercials anymore. Yep. Uh, one thing about uh, hot days in summer is that if you look at that data, that uh, the 1930s in the US, for example, was much hotter in the summer than recent recent times. Um, I like to quote on Twitter that here in Minnesota, back in the 30s and 40s, uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul hit 100 degrees 38 times in those two decades. And then uh, since 2012, we've hit it one time. I think since, since 1988, we might have hit it seven times or something. So anyway, uh, we are hitting 100 degrees way less often now than we did a uh, long time ago, many decades ago. So the, um, the heat that is supposed to be uh, coming here in summer, the really hot temperatures uh, have not happened. When it comes to something like an Indian summer, which is what they call like when it's like a warm winter, like when winters don't really snow as much, I think that's a fear for a lot of people. And I think that's the narrative that lets like kind of drives home a lot of what the media says in a sense. I think it's just the earth like has these kind of shifts and resets in a way. And I've talked to plenty of people who are able to elaborate on that even more. Um, it's, it's just so hard because when it is a hot day, which is when you see those media articles or those headlines being put out there, it just it gets drilled into your head. But I think this past year, like, I mean, I've talked to environmental scientists and I'm like, well, what information is true that we're getting? And it's very, very hard where I'm sadly, I'm not the platform where I can give you a giant audience like a Rogan to be able to debunk a lot of these things, but it's a lot of fear scaring. And I think the best example I can keep going back to is the pandemic. That's all they've done. And for people starting to notice that now, you should walk into life with just questions on anything. And I think when you come to these questions, like whenever a media corporation or whenever something is being said, you need to go look it up for yourself. And sadly, 
how much of that information is going to say climate change is real climate change okay well the only thing constant is change but is it what you're saying it is though you can't just hijack that word like fact checker you can't hijack it like that because then it loses meaning yes i do love it when there's any specific claim like you mentioned that uh snowless winters are supposed to be a thing that's that are happening more often now but i have a graph i can show you later of uh northern hemisphere snow cover and you would think it's gone down but it, it has gone up over recent decades this graph shows that northern hemisphere's uh, snow cover has gone up so over and over i'm uh, constantly scouring uh, the internet for for claims like that and then if you look at the actual data none of the alarming claims there's not one alarming claim that i can find anywhere that actually holds up when you look at the data and that's because, yeah and it, like, because I see it says details on my Twitter suspension for asking if a graph was crap. Did they say that because that was like hate speech or was that some type of like labeled claim? They just put you in a cat. They were basically looking for anything because, I mean, you have a large following on Twitter. And I think it's a lot of people that are either probably trying to attack you in a sense or they agree with what you're saying and they're tired of hearing it 24-7. I think the biggest, biggest example I tell people it's crap is when a vegan says that cow burps or cow farts are leading to a climate crisis. I'm like, you notice that the graphs that they compare that to are graphs compared to like oh well here's the bar graph for a cow fart and a cow farts all the way up but they're comparing it to someone riding a bike i'm like what about the giant oil or industry factories that are happening out there if you're going to talk about that show those on the graph but that's the thing is when you get into an argument with like a vegan or you get into an argument with someone in these environmental things you end up getting like these overactive or these kind of very hostile situations where someone throws paint on you and then calls you a bunch of names yeah, so getting suspended for using the word crap is one of the funnier things that's happened to me, but I, I don't think that it was actually the word because uh, a lot worse stuff than that is put on Twitter, but, yeah. <laughs> but I'm happy they let me back on Twitter. Some of my other uh, skeptical friends uh, are banned permanently from Twitter, so not so funny. Uh, Tony Heller is one that's a fantastic, I don't know if you've heard of Tony Heller, but uh -huh. he is a tremendously knowledgeable climate skeptic that is banned now from Twitter. He's over on Gab instead, so what about uh, we are experiencing a climate crisis? Yeah, I mean, that, that's another thing that uh, you hear that a lot from politicians in the U.S. They, uh, they flat out say, say that all the time, that we are experiencing a climate crisis. And that's absolutely not true. And one thing I just put on Twitter today is that the U.N. just came out with a huge um, updated climate report today uh, with over 3,600 pages. And uh, if you search through those pages, they don't use the phrase climate crisis at all. So th that's... Even they are not claiming there's a climate crisis. It's coming from, uh, that's not coming from the IPCC. It's coming from maybe uh, politicians, et cetera. But as I keep saying, there clearly is no climate crisis. There's nothing wrong with the, the weather that hasn't been uh, wrong with it uh, for all of human history. So, do you, do you think that maybe a lot of this as well, too, is selling clickbait and a lot of like the, the key words like crisis, for instance, is like a high pitch word that's going to pierce your ears and get anybody to really wake up and then you yeah. climb it in front of it. I mean, it's cool if a media wants to do that to sell articles and stuff like that, but I don't think they realize the damage that they're doing when a yeah. lot of people hear that it's a scare tactic as well, too, for in some sense. Yeah, I do think that. Uh does get a lot of clicks. And uh, my friend Mark Morano likes to say that if you're just a regular researcher, say you're researching butterflies, and you're trying to get some money to do some butterfly research, um, it might be hard to get some funding. But for many years, if you have said, I'm going to research the effect of climate change on butterflies, then you're much more likely to get funded. So I think a lot of climate change research has been done on that basis, where it's the hot, uh, hot buzzwords that they can use to get more funding. 
I forgot. How does that go through so well, though? Like, I feel like if I'm a scientist or if I'm a, if I'm a scientist and I have two pathways in front of me, one to say that climate change isn't happening like how we think it is, and one to say that climate change is happening, they're going to give it to the funding to the person who says climate change is happening. Where uh, not climate change is like just change in general. I mean, extreme case scenario where we're going to be in like a Mad Max scenario, like Al Gore was saying. For oh time. yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Is, so is that an institution issue or is that just a, a, a narrative issue? I, I think it's the narrative. I think it's just uh, going with the flow. And I think a lot of those, if you call them butterfly researchers, they're probably not at all into the climate debate, but they, they know that if they mention it, that uh, that's an important uh, word that you can use to get more funding. I think there's a ton of that, um, but I, I don't know for sure. And when it says the weather is getting worse, yeah. Yep. That's a constant assumption that uh, I see everywhere in the media that, of course, the weather is getting worse. And the only question is what's causing the weather to get worse. But I would back up and say, absolutely, the weather is not getting worse. It's not a matter of maybe the uh, nature has caused it to get worse. But if you look at the history of uh, storms or droughts or floods, if you look at all, you can look at it any way you want. There's been so much bad weather in the past and uh, there's a lot of bad weather now, but it, by no measure that I can find is the bad weather getting worse. Now, when we say the weather is getting worse, could this also be an issue of like people being too comfortable now? Like people have their houses 75 degrees all year round. Eventually you get adjusted to a certain climate. Like, I feel like you're going to have a lot more people speaking out about, oh, climate change, the weather is getting worse only because they've been in their house like two and a half years without able to being able to leave. So you're able to control it with your thermostat and keep it to the conditions that you like. So if anything's a slight degree off, let's say you love your house 75 degrees, you walk outside and it's 72, you're going to be upset that uh, the world is going to crap basically. Yep, definitely. And um, my dad's a farmer that's uh, been working outside for many, many decades. It's pretty hard to, uh, impress him that today is like the worst weather ever because he has a good memory and he remembers how bad it was. He can tell you in the 1960s, spring of 1965, the, the uh, weather was really cold really late in the spring. And uh, I think it is easier to convince people that are 20 years old that things are getting worse than uh, because they just haven't seen so much bad weather yet. I think the older you get, the more you realize that the weather has always been bad. There is also a large yeah. push on like people like myself who are in their twenties, who just kind of yeah. feel like they have to make up for the older generation. That's been like not caring for so long. Yes. Yeah. Which I mean, in a sense, isn't bad. I'm glad people are taking an initiative, but I yeah. feel like they're not doing it in the best of ways. You would think that you would want to have yeah. a more conversational method to your actions, not really just a overall yeah. aggressive action, which is what you see constantly being, I, I guess, online or any really thing that has happens to do with a discussion of this uh, magnitude. Yeah, I, as you look back in history, I think it's a very old narrative that the weather is worse right now than it used to be, and humans that I don't like are responsible for it. There's been a lot of that. And I've heard that a lot of the witch burning that happened in real life, uh, that was during a time of global cooling, and the weather really was worse during that time, and uh, witches, witches were blamed and they were actually killed. And it's, uh, there are some parallels to that, to uh, you know, blaming Exxon for the weather being bad now, allegedly. I think that was the biggest thing before we did this podcast where I was just like, I hope 
Tom doesn't think I'm going to be some type of person that's just going to yell at him the whole time. I was like, no, I'm generally because I like I said, your site was very, very interesting. But I know that can be a fear as well. So you got to be careful who you talk to and associate with or send a DM back and forth because people are willing. This is what scares me in this day and age is that people are more than willing to set somebody up for something rather than actually talk to them about these types of things going on and see their perspective, which is, in, in my opinion, that's a, I guess, a, a de-evolution in a sense, because we're not moving forward as a society. We're really moving two steps back because there's not an open conversational platform to be able to understand ideas and get different perspectives and be able to sort out the right information for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you're not yelling at me, but it would be okay if you did. I've been yelled at and sworn at so much online over the years that uh, I, I don't really take as much offense to it anymore. Do you see th more, thank you. Do you see more criticism or do you see a lot more support? I mean, with new hmm. people, for instance, like myself, yeah. I'm a new person. Yeah. Uh, one thing I see that's really heartwarming to me is I did feel like uh, 15 years ago, I was way more alone than I am now. I'm very happy that I follow lots of people on Twitter and I can constantly see uh, new people that I've never met before uh, becoming uh, very knowledgeable on, on this issue and uh, becoming very skeptical. And like I said, all you have to do is dig into to it for yourself. You don't need to be an expert of any kind. And so I do see lots of people digging into it and uh, becoming skeptical. Skeptical. So are you seeing a pushback from social media as much? Like is Twitter your only stomping ground or do you happen to have like Facebook or any other pages out there? And are those pages allowed to be up as well too? Because I find like, you know, you can't say white trash on Facebook. Where I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know that was an insult. I, I, my uncle used to wear it as a patch on his shirt. Oh, yeah. I, uh, Twitter is my main stomping ground right now. I, I tried Facebook a little bit, but I think Facebook is really trying to, uh, to limit your uh, scope. If you say anything skeptical, I think they, uh, they don't like that. And I guess Twitter doesn't like it either, but so far it's the best way for me that I can see to get the word out. Okay. Yeah. And then when it says CO2 is the climate control knob. Yeah, I, I like that phrasing because I do think that on the what I call the warmest side is there. There's this whole idea that the climate should be completely stable. We should expect it to stay the same, and if it changes, it's something that humans did. And uh, we can just change the climate by turning this climate control knob up. Uh, turn up the amount of CO2 that turns up the temperature. Uh, that's a just an assumption. If we turn it up X amount, then by 2100, we're going to get a certain amount of warming. But there's all these other factors. There's thousands of other factors. And of course, the sun is a major one. And I think that no matter how much cranking we do of this uh, CO2 control knob, the earth uh, may well cool anyway between now and 2050. I don't think anybody knows if it's going to be warmer or colder. Yeah, uh, even when the sun gets mentioned, a lot of people talk about, well, climate change is causing more solar flares to happen. It's like, well, no, solar flares have always happened. They're just a weird odd off from the sun. It's kind of like trying to predict like the Powerball numbers in a sense, like it just randomly happens. I mean, even anything with climate, people are looking for like, oh, we caused this or this type of thing, but they never like there's not really congruent evidence, I would say, that really links in with that. There's just a, a skeptical, I, I, not even a skeptic idea. It's more like just a idea out there that's kind of just able to be said, but there's no evidence that needs to back it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do think uh, once humans understand the climate better, we're going to find out that uh, a big factor on the climate here on Earth is the sun's changing magnetism, and that ends up changing the amount of cloudiness on Earth. I, I really have seen great, brilliant arguments. There's a guy named I call him Nur Shaviv. He's from Israel. He's a brilliant guy, and he's done a lot of work 
into looking at the effects of how solar changes change cloudiness on Earth. And uh, clouds are extremely important and not well understood. And I, I do believe that uh, we're going to find out that that's a much bigger factor than anything humans do to uh, emit CO2. What would be like a typical example of like what a, uh, here I'll give you an example what an example that would work well for the co2 as a climate control knob kind of be like if they're trying to maybe get a certain uh selling of something or prices increase on something and they're trying to get people pushed towards that we saw this during the pandemic it's now you can look it up it's called the red meat scare what they said was red meat was going to be out and everyone flocked to the store and used their stimulus check to buy red meat um, it literally all got funneled in there. I know family members that spent most of their stimulus check just buying steaks upon steaks upon steaks. And there was no evidence that there was going to be no meat in the next couple of months. But for that week, the stores were bare dry. So I'm wondering if they have a certain sense where they flip a knob like such, uh, which is a, it's a good example. But let's say like there's nothing going on in the news. There's nothing to report on. What can we do? Well, we can attack the climate change thing or we can ramp it up like, oh, just look for a natural disaster or something. That oh, there's a tornado over here will ramp that up and say it's all because of this and then they can choose that and cause people to i guess sway a certain narrative yeah i, I do like that point you brought up about how there's a storm somewhere so i do think that's a big reason why people might think the weather is getting worse just because if you lived in 1850 and a storm happened on the other side of the world you wouldn't find out about it probably ever but nowadays uh, you're finding out about this stuff if you want you can find out about horrible weather events happening all the time every day around the world because it's a big world and it's, it's happening everywhere. And I think a lot of uh, maybe hurricanes that happened in 1850 out in the middle of the ocean that never made landfall that nobody ever even knew there was no record of them even happening. But now we have records of those happening and we can say, hey, look, we found more hurricanes this year than we, than we used to. I think that's a big factor. Yeah, I started to learn to listen to my grandpa whenever he says, like, there's a giant hurricane coming and he goes, I've lived here for 60 something years and nothing ever fucking happens. Um, and you realize, yeah, when people flock to Pennsylvania or they flock a couple states away from where I'm at, all because they're afraid that it's going to be like the worst possible disaster scenario, like ground zero. Um, it's the people that live there the longest and know the land there better, but also realize that everything gets hyped up to an overall extreme. And then that leads us into climate science is basic physics. Yeah, I actually hear that claim from uh, from people on Twitter, some uh, educated people who think they, they claim it's basic physics that uh, all you have to do is uh, run a basic physics equation, I guess, and figure out if we add more CO2, this is what the Earth's temperature is going to be. But th that is really, really far from the truth. I say that climate is so complicated that uh, there's absolutely no way we can correctly model it now because there's so many different factors and all the interactions of those factors. And then even if you knew all the factors, uh, how important each one was and the interactions and the feedbacks, you still don't know the initial state of all of those variables. You'd, if you have a thousand variables to run your model correctly, you'd have to know exactly when you're starting on day, day one, what are those values? So my bottom line is it's incredibly hard to model the climate. I think they have million line Fortran uh, pro programs trying to model it, but um, they're taking on a task that's just too hard for humans to do right now. Are you coming across any studies that people are doing that are able to back these claims like that they're that they're making? Like, where are they getting their evidence from? And if they if you have come across any, are you seeing anything that they're leaving out? Because whenever I ask, like I get into a, am not even a vegan I, and I don't even really eat meat at all either. I live in a fish town mostly, but um. 
I mostly just do like, cause I have a digestive issue. I mostly just do protein shakes and all that. Um, okay. but whenever I, I say no vegans, like they don't make any sense. People go, well, then you must be like a hardcore meteor. I'm not one of those either. I'll, I'll talk to the other person and be like, no, I'm not a meat person at all, but they always bring up the claim. It's basic science. That's usually what I hear. Or there's plenty of evidence on it. And I'm like, well, what, what, okay, well, what evidence? And then I never hear anything. I just keep getting like a bunch of different answers that are kind of runoff answers that are supposed to lead to someone showing you facts, but they really never show any facts on it. Yeah, that's, I think that's my most common experience on the internet when I'm uh, dealing with someone on the other side. Uh, they make a claim. I say specifically, why should we believe that claim? And then I either get no answer or I'm told, oh, it's, it's available on the internet or the IPC said it. But it never gets down to specifics. I always uh, would like to know which one paper should convince us that CO2 is the climate control knob. And there isn't any because it is not the climate control knob. So I really like uh, in doing any of these debates to ask for specifics. I think what you're doing is great. Yeah. And almost all experts believe in items one through five. Now, wh why did you choose to label that if you put them at one through five already. Do you think that all experts go back to one of these points, which is kind of like, I would say not really a hint that they might be feeding you a story or a hint that this is possibly the narrative could is probably wrong. Yeah. I, the narrative is that almost all experts believe that, but I think if you talk to almost any experts, they don't believe that. I think it's very rare to find experts who actually believe this type of thing. Um, like that, that there's, there's a climate crisis. If you talk to the if you could talk to the 10,000 most knowledgeable people on climate in, in the world, what percent of them would think that there's a climate crisis? I think it would have to be very small. I'd love to see the answer on that. Now, I don't know if you've seen, there is an Oregon petition where they got uh, 32,000 people, I believe, signed it, uh, a strongly worded statement saying that, uh, that um, basically there's climate hysteria and uh, stop worrying about it. I don't know the exact uh, wording, but um, I'm just saying the experts, do not believe that there's a climate crisis as much as non-experts. They're way more likely to believe alarming things, non-experts versus experts. The yeah. issue that I'm starting, I'm like really like trying to marinate on here is how the hell did they spin the narrative so much to where if you even talk or bring basic things like this to the table or just ask for evidence, how are you seen as a crazy person for saying that? That doesn't make sense to me. And it shouldn't make sense to anybody logically. Like if you're just, all you're asking is for data, like, but nobody's nobody's giving it to you. They're making claims about things and they're not showing any evidence behind it. And I feel like that's a big issue. And I, I feel like with social media, you're more than likely going to get banned over someone that can just spit out a bunch of evidence on or say that it's evidence, but with no facts behind it, they can make a statement. The issue is, is that if you made a post saying climate change is not what you think it is, that'll get a, that'll get some likes from your community. But if you look at like a, a basis of the general public, if someone puts up say, saying we got to end climate change now, that's a thousand likes, a thousand retweets. And that's when I start going, well, what the fuck? Are, like, what are we hopping on here? <laughs> right, right. Uh, you would never get banned for saying something crazy on the alarmist side that I've seen. You can say anything you want about climate being alarming or humanity ending in 12 years or whatever, and you won't get banned for saying that. But um, it's not, not, not fair, I guess. I don't know. And then at the bottom, you say every one of those assumptions is wrong. The average person is perfectly capable of becoming a well-informed climate skeptic. There's absolutely no need to defer to the alleged judgment of experts. Yep, that's absolutely one of my most important points that uh, 
a lot of people who believe these things just throw up their hands and say, let's believe the experts. We don't know which experts for sure. There's lots of experts on my side. There's like uh, Richard Lindzen from MIT. He knows climate. He's very a very decorated uh, older um, uh, climatologist. And he uh, does great work in debunking some of these things himself. So he's an expert. Why should we not listen to him? Um, well, which when experts? Yeah. that that term experts is just like when people say, oh, it's a peer reviewed article. I'm like, well, who's the fucking peers? Like people got to pay attention that money can sway people's opinions. If they had a uh, 260 scientists that went through Joe Rogan's Robert Malone. Episode, yes, yes. I saw and that. Most of those scientists or doctors that they say were like authors. And there was a couple like dentists and all this type of stuff that say they're not take this type of drug. Now the whole narrative is switched. So when I when I hear the word peer reviewed, it makes me really question did they actually read the paper itself? Because in a sense, people can be swayed. Money is a very, very powerful thing. Exxon, um, the gas company, they paid so much. They, they even, uh, I think it was like $50,000 to Trump as well too, to try and sway him and become a lobbyist for Trump. Um, but there's a lot of like, gas stations that are funding these eco health movements or these types of things to be able to help out environmental protection agencies. And you start questioning like, look, if somebody's funding you $100,000 or a couple million dollars to do a climate study, and they tell you, hey, blend some of your details, you're going to do so because you're listening to the person who just is giving you money right now. Yes. Yep. Funding is a, definitely a big issue there. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's a little bit down on this page. You had some yeah, let me go a little further down. Well. Let's see here. Mentioned Richard Lindzen here. I do like this section here uh, with people are asking if uh, what uh, peer-reviewed papers support climate skepticism. And there's people that have done a lot of work. Uh, there's hundreds or thousands of recent papers that support my side and, and they're peer-reviewed. So it's not like there's 100% consensus in the peer-reviewed literature that there's a climate crisis. It's very far from that. So if you actually read the papers, you find all sorts of backing for uh, the idea that there is no climate crisis. What um, When you went down the, I, I would say the rabbit hole in a sense, when you start finding out all this mm -hmm. information, yeah. did it just keep leading to more and more and more and more? Like did the algorithm switch for you or was it a lot of you had to type it all in and be able to find the information out? Oh, in terms of finding stuff on Google? Well, I mean, just or that algorithm, because yeah. like, algorithms, they, they show you suggestions on things that you're already looking at. Um, but I feel like when it's a narrative like this or when it's something like this, this is something that if they're already lying about it in a sense to the general public, they're going to try and make sure that algorithm is flagging those things. Or if I type in climate change, it's going to give me 10 page results on climate change is happening and how the world's going to die tomorrow. But then on like the ending pages, you're going to see all the people that they would call conspiracy theorists, which isn't a conspiracy. It's just evidence that there's another refuting point to it that nobody wants to let in. Yeah. One, one interesting thing for me has been uh, I've found a lot of new information through uh, just comments on my blog and replies to my tweets and things like that because they can't censor those which is great uh, nobody can uh, you know if there's a climate skeptic on my blog and I get a comment uh, for sure I'm going to be able to see that and it, there's no algorithm involved is what I'm saying so that's been really good for me and in fact uh, the whole way uh, the reason I got kicked off into climate skepticism, it was I was running my blog and doing the ivory billed woodpecker, checking on that evidence. And there was one comment there where this a guy said, you know, there's uh, 
all the, the peer-reviewed science on the ivory bill is wrong, et cetera. There's a lot of propaganda here and it just reminds me of the climate debate. So he sent this long, he ended up sending me an email pointing out how the ivory bill debate uh, reminded him of the climate debate in terms of peer review, not necessarily being correct and skeptics being vilified and all sorts of things. So anyway, uh, uh, tips from other climate skeptics have helped me a ton over the years. And it says yeah. no consensus, only 0.3% of 11.94 um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. eleven thousand pa climate papers from nineteen ninety one to twenty. Is that eleven? Uh, tw I'm sorry, twenty eleven. Yeah, twenty eleven mm -hmm. found. Yeah, less than fifty, or is it? Yeah, that's less greater than, than I'd laid it greater than fifty percent anthropogenic. I so that's math just four times. Oh, so give me. A yeah, break. I'm sorry, it might not be easy to see, but uh, that's just saying that um, they might count that paper I mentioned about the the guy doing the butterfly research and. Uh, doing, saying that climate change affects butterflies. Um, as they go through all these, they might call that a climate paper and they might try to draw a conclusion about the butterfly researcher. Hey, he's, he's on our team because he also buys into the narrative. So this uh, no consensus statement over here is just saying that very few papers are actually looking at the warming since the 1970s, for example, and trying to tell us how much of that was natural and how much was caused by humans. There's hardly any papers on that. Now, a lot of these links on this blog site, the ones I'm skipping over are ones that people have to basically look into themselves on the site, which you have thoroughly laid out as well, too. But I want to get to this point right here. Crop yields are way up. Now, what exactly are they spinning about crop yields like you were mentioning, I think, to me a little bit um, in the beginning? Yeah, I'm constantly seeing uh, claims that climate change is going to cause crop yields to go down. And in fact, I think I read that just this morning on the new IPCC report that just came out. They were trying to sell the idea that additional CO2 in the air is going to make crop yields go down. And what I keep saying is uh, we've been burning fossil fuel now for maybe a couple hundred years. And if that was gonna cause crop yields to go down, you'd think we would have seen it by now. But if you look at country by country, if you look like worldwide grain yields, et cetera, those crop yields just keep going up. And we're just, uh, the yields per acre on wheat and uh, corn, et cetera, are way up over the last 70 years. And part of that is because I think there's more CO2 in the air. That CO2 is not the climate control knob, but it is good plant food. And I, I have a, a little thing I can show you later about growing crops at different levels of CO2. And as uh, more CO2 is in the air, uh, the crops uh, are visibly bigger. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but people who grow crops in greenhouses often artificially put uh, extra CO2 in the air because it makes a big difference as to how well the, uh, the uh, plants grow in that greenhouse. And it's also how they use the words too, because a lot of the push now is carbon emissions, but they're not being specific on what carbon emissions. People immediately assume cars and they're not looking at other factors as well too. And they start doing these carbon bans. You really have to read through what they're banning because I mean, carbon isn't made up of everything. Trees are carbon in a sense. So you're looking at a lot of issues that start to boil down. But I, it, like I said, it, you can't just... Carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, that's how it all starts is they start blending the words close together. Even if it's a slight category off, it makes it very, very confusing when you start talking about carbon emissions. Then you go, well, which carbon though? Because we breathe, we exhale out carbon dioxide. So you get to this point where it's like, if we're all made up of carbon, when you start doing a carbon ban, what exactly are you banning? Yep. I do think they love to call it carbon pollution and they don't like to call it carbon dioxide. It's what you, it really is carbon dioxide that they are telling us causes bad weather, but that's invisible. It's colorless and it's not harmful. Uh, they want to call it carbon because they want you to think of black carbon and it's going to make everything dirty, etc. And you made a good point about exhaling uh, carbon dioxide that 
the amount of CO2 in the air uh, outside right now is just a little over 400 parts per million. And uh, I don't know if you know how much carbon dioxide we're both admitting right now as we're talking here and in terms of parts per million. And, and that answer is uh, 40,000, about 40,000 parts per million. I was so way, we're, that, was, that was way bigger <laughs> than what I was going to guess. Yeah, we're exiting a lot of carbon dioxide in terms of parts per million. But uh, in the air, there's not really very much. So I keep saying that just the fact that outside there's uh, 400 parts per million or maybe it's 410 right now. Uh, the air is absolutely not polluted because of that. It, it's fine. It's plant food. It, it doesn't harm anything. Now, the wildfires one. I yeah. We talked off air about this. I was I've talked to tobacco policy people. I've also talked to tobacco lawyers. Now, in a sense, you could say, well, they're lying to you about cigarettes or it could be the media that's lying to you about cigarettes. But there's been a movie that's been done about there was a, a, a I would say like an Antifa, not really an Antifa person, but one of those like activist type people. He, they lit fires around the firefighters who were trying to stop the California wildfires that were happening when we had the California wildfires happen. Was it a couple of years ago now? Um, they were trying to light a fire around the firefighters to keep them trapped inside of it because they were just trying to strike a movement. The person got arrested and went to jail and they actually made a book about that person as well, too. A lot of wildfires, people think like, oh, it's, it's from someone throwing a cigarette out the window. Well, when a cigarette burns all the way down, that filter blocks it from starting a fire like this. That was a thing that they did in like 2000 or something like that. But with wildfires, a lot of that they're not talking about when they say the number of wildfires have increased. They're not talking about what's causing the increase of it. And that's when you have to start questioning because people start assuming that, oh, it's because the air is getting warmer. Well, I've talked to a radio astronomer who has told me that they're one of their satellite systems in Africa that point up at the stars. It's a giant green laser, like those green laser pens that they banned a while ago. It There was issues with it where there's a factor in their actual contract of usage for it where you cannot aim it at close to any plant life. I think it's like 100 feet near plant life because it will start a fire. And that's a lot of things as they get tossed in there with the wildfires as well too but people start thinking that oh it's because the sun's too hot that doesn't make sense mm -hmm. yeah and another key point about the wildfires that's also involved in lots of other propaganda is you can draw a graph showing that wildfires have increased if you choose the right initial day or initial years i don't know if it's the, maybe the 1980s there was not very many fires i have to look that up but in a graph of u.s wildfires number of acres burned the numbers are huge in the early part of the 20th century, but you can find uh, some, uh, some time period later in the 20th century. And if you start your graph there, then you can make it look like wildfires are increasing. Same deal with uh, heat waves, like the heat waves in the U.S. in the 1930s, really bad. If you start uh, your graph maybe in the 1970s, then it looks like heat waves have increased since then. So, And we say that that this one right here i have like you have to explain a little bit more to me polar bear population is way up by a factor of four to six since the 1960s everything i've heard has been that we're killing polar bears so like you're kind of shattering my childhood in a sense <laughs> yeah i also have a graph to show you there too that the polar bear population probably because of overhunting, uh was pretty low in the 1960s and the uh, data that we have now shows that the population is way up. Uh, maybe there's four to six polar bears around right now versus one uh, for, for every one that was around in the 1960s. And uh, yeah, they've uh, we're still hunting a lot of polar bears. Uh, humans are killing hundreds of polar bears per year still. And if we're concerned about the polar bear population uh, going extinct, I would say the first thing we should do is stop hunting. But uh, I think we're not concerned about it. Then the, uh, the hunting is 
the population is doing well enough that even with the hunting, it's still, it's still probably increasing. And um, do you think that a lot of this, like you're seeing a lot of people who are involved in the field, like, are you like, when, when we look at like um, crop yields, for instance, are they talking to farmers about like the on experience that these people are doing? Or are they looking at scientists who are taking a general consensus of the thing? Cause I started to, cause I've talked to plenty of ancient historians and they, I've talked to a lot of scientists and stuff. They always, they always mention um, that like, the age of life, which I think is a narrative out there, is getting better and longer, which in a sense, it's true because we do have a lot of more medical benefits as well, too. But the natural body lives to the same point it was supposed to live at before. Yeah, we have people that are exceptions to the rules of 116 or so. But if you look at what like they say, people in the old West used to die, like by the time they were like 16, they would have to get married. Well, that was because they're basing early, like stillbirth deaths, like the ones way back, like before they're even basically out of the womb or like miscarriages or all these types of sorts that happens. Um, even a baby dying or getting eaten by a bear, they base the graphs off the longest living person and the youngest person that dies. And a lot of people back in the day died a lot. So they're basing the median on that. So you get about a 20 age range for the old West when really it's just the median. So I look at crop yields. If we're having scientists do these census studies or do these types of studies to be able to measure out food are you doing the median of it like like that's where you have to start like these are thoughts that sound stupid maybe to someone who's an environmentalist or something but they're key questions that you need to be asking i think any i don't think any questions are stupid i think all questions are valid mostly because i'm the one saying probably the stupid ones but i feel like it's a perspective that you need because it also helps people clarify and it's able to sense out a lot of bullshit in a sense mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a big point is that uh, a lot of uh, climate scientists live in more of a modeled world than a real world. And they're looking at, in the modeled world, it says right there in their model that the uh, yields on crops should be going down. And I think there's a tendency to uh, lose yourself in the model world and not take the time to sanity check that against the real world. An example of that is just yesterday, I saw a claim that the uh, yields for California almonds are supposed to go down because of climate change. And so I constantly see claims like that. So then I, in that case, I just Googled it to see what has happened recently to the, the yields of California almonds. And in the last five years, they've had uh, record harvests every year. They've broken the records over and over in California. So that's the reality. So the model says one thing, but the reality, the sanity check is, doesn't pass. That's um, another point yeah. I use against yeah. the vegans when they start mentioning we need to cut out meat. I go, how about we stop watering your fucking almonds? Look how much water <laughs> we use in general yeah. to just mm -hmm. water a whole thing of almonds. It is ridiculous, yeah. but mm -hmm. they want the almond milk, yeah. so yeah, might as well. <laughs> yeah. So according to the IPCC, hurricanes are decreasing. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't really heard of a whole lot of hurricanes happen. I wonder if I, I can I click on that one? Let's see here. Dude, you have so many notifications. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of notifications. Tropical yeah. cyclones and extropical storms. Most recent studies on observed trends and the uh, attributes of tropical cyclones are focusing on the satellite era starting in 1979, but the study of observed trends is complicated at the heterogeneity of constantly advanced remote sensing techniques and instrumentation during this period, i.e. land and sea. Numerous studies toward and beyond AR5 have reported a decreasing trend in the global number of tropical cyclones and or globally accumulated cyclonic energy. Now, 
people that are going to refute this are going to say, well, these are from 2016 or 2011. Why don't you find something more of recent? It's like, but they're basing it off of a long time period. It says starting in 1979. Right, right. So if we're going to see the signal of hurricanes getting way worse, I would think we would have seen it by now. Again, since we've been burning fossil fuels for hundreds of years, and we're definitely not seeing it. So maybe this is all going to reverse uh, in the next 10 years and things are going to get terrible, but that's not the trend in anything yet. So let me go back here. You have to hit the back arrow up top. That back arrow. Yeah, do it one more time. There you go. There we go. Now we're back. Okay. Um, let's see. Where were we? After 10,000 years ago, there wasn't much ice in the Arctic. It's only in the last 1,000 years that we've seen coverage of ice that persists significantly through the summertime. So Okay, but what about the article that came out about the Arctic, I guess, floor level, the base level is the highest it's ever been. It was like 100 and something like that. Which one was that? Is it the highest ever? Uh, Highest temperature, maybe? Yeah, it was the highest temperature. It came came out like a couple months ago. It was like a weird thing where it was like, what's going on? It was around the time that you saw the oil, um, that oil refinery that was creating like what people were calling like a biblical event happen in the middle of the ocean where it was just this fiery hole. (laughs) I'm not sure on that one, but definitely uh, temperatures fluctuate a ton in the Arctic, both in the short term and in the long term. Uh, I, I have a graph I have somewhere where um, just in the 20th century, temperatures in the Arctic fluctuated a lot. And um, if you go back way further, like even 10,000 years ago, there wasn't much ice and polar bears were around then. So polar bears were going to go extinct because of not much ice. How did they get through that bottleneck? That's one thing. And then um, Further back, there were crocodiles and there were palm trees in the Arctic. It was warm enough on Earth naturally for, uh, for those things to exist way up there. And uh, again, people are saying that if the Earth warms a little bit, there should be a positive feedback and the warming is going to feed on itself until the Earth becomes uninhabitable. But uh, if it was warm enough for crocodiles in the Arctic, uh, how come the few positive feedbacks didn't continue? And why didn't Earth, the Earth become uninhabitable then? I like to bring that one up. So, um, cause you have a lot of information on this site. So we're going to end up sitting here for a while about it, but I was for, for people, um, I'm going to, I'm going to link in your description as well too, for people to be able to look at this, but do you feel like there's any strong points that you have that you want to show here? Cause we've been talking for an hour. Um, if any strong points that you feel like you can add on here as well too, and I'm open, if you have any friends as well too, that can help elaborate on some certain other parts of this topic that you might not be informed more on, such as like, if you're based in all your like climate change is such a giant topic. I feel like there's a lot of information that just other people in your community probably have a better grasp on as well, too. Um, I'm more than happy to talk to them about this, too. But your site is thoroughly linked in and each one of these blue little highlighted parts as well, too, for people that are watching the video on Spotify and YouTube, you can click into these things and it's going to point you to the exact information that you came across. So are you updating these as you're because you have a, a long list. So you just every time you see something new you, that you feel like you have to add on to the site you add on to the site yeah i would say i do it sporadically i don't do it every day or anything but i just did an update in the last uh, week or so on this uh you mentioned friends of mine i don't know if you can see down here i do mention a, a bunch of good twitter follows and skeptical sites here so that is something i would direct people towards and if you want to read one book on climate change one i really like is the politically incorrect guide to climate change by mark morano that one is fabulous in terms of uh, getting into the details on, on all this type of stuff so and um any talking points or any points you feel like um, we missed that you want to add in here? Yeah. I, there's a lot in here, but if you have any on the mind that uh, yeah. you were thinking of. 
I do have a few graphs I'd like to throw up there that I mentioned. I yeah. can uh, stop this share maybe. Uh, let me do that and I'll throw the graphs up there if I can. Let's see. See, Tom, I'm not a bad guy. I was, I was You're not. generally yeah. interested. I know it gets scary. I was, <laughs> a lot of people are always nervous when a random DM comes through. Here we go. Yeah, there we go. Now, is this the graph you said was crap? Uh, no, that, that was a different one. I don't have the crap one up here. This one is fantastic. Um, it is a graph of um, the temperatures in Greenland and the carbon dioxide, uh, global carbon dioxide levels. So uh, I'm gonna start at the bottom here. This red line for the, over the last 7,000 years, it's going up and up. And this is uh, carbon dioxide going up for the last 7,000 years. So you would think if this, if the carbon dioxide is going up, then the, the uh, temperature should also go up. But in Greenland over that same period, the temperature did not go up, the temperature went down. So uh, this alone makes it look like carbon dioxide must not be the climate control knob. If for 7,000 years, CO2 went one way and the temperature went the other way. So something else must be going on here. That's the important thing from this graph. Have you thought about anything else that could be going on that could be leading to this? Or is this just a renewable energy type situation that they always seem to go to second? No, I think, I think my major point is that the earth is just tremendously complicated. Earth's climate is very complicated. And I'm not sure anyone knows for sure exactly uh, what caused temperatures to, to fluctuate like this in Greenland. Just so many different factors. There's ocean currents and there's that whole, uh, all the variations in the sun causing differences in cloudiness and, and other differences too. And uh, all sorts of stuff that's going on. We don't know for sure, but it's not so simple that just uh, reduce CO2 and uh, we're gonna cool the earth. It is definitely not that simple. So hmm. let's see. Yeah, another point I wanted to make here is that people just assume that if it gets warmer more people are gonna die. But here's a Lancet study here from 2015 that shows worldwide cold kills 20 times as many people as heat. So yeah, that's why old people can't get cold. Yeah, and that's why people move to warmer places when they get old. Florida. Too. Yeah, yeah. So an argument could be made that another degree of uh, Celsius of global warming might save lives because less people might die from the cold, possibly. But uh, cold times are definitely tougher than uh, hot times. And I, I say that for college students, sometimes college students get drunk and they end up uh, you know, falling asleep in a ditch someplace. And if you do that on a hot summer night, it's, it might just be a funny story, ha ha. But uh, people, uh, students do this sometimes when it's really cold and they die because cold is way more dangerous than heat for humans. Yeah, I live in a beach yeah. town. So it's like a destination hotspot for when you're going on like senior break and all that. And that we see like one or two deaths every summer, basically, when it comes to a situation where someone falls asleep drunk in a situation they're not supposed to be in. Okay, just uh, going through this. Uh, another one here is that uh, climate related deaths are way down since 1920. If you look at the blue line here, in terms of floods, droughts, etc. So a point that Alex Epstein likes to make is that we're supposed to think that burning fossil fuels takes a um, safe climate and makes it dangerous. But I would argue, and he argues, that burning fossil fuels and having access to uh, modern conveniences and medicine, etc., uh, it takes a, a dangerous climate and makes it more safe. So anyway, if you're trying to sell the idea that uh, climate change is killing us all, this blue line uh, says that's it's just not happening. And then non-climate related yeah. deaths, earthquakes. Yeah, those have just yeah. Okay, tsunamis and volcanoes. Do you what, do you, do you have any skeptical ideas about um, the government controlling weather in a sense? 
I don't. I hear something about that. Maybe you, you probably know more than I do about uh, China being able to do something during the Olympic Games to uh, well, maybe. They, they did uh, two Corvex uh, tornadoes that hit the Wuhan lab when everyone was starting to look back into the lab. So I just go, they've been known for tsunamis and earthquakes, but I never thought, you know, you hear two, like it was a record thing over there that we've never heard of. But HAARP, HARP Institute, actually had programs developing kind of weather manipulation, and there's been government projects that have been able to do so. Now that it does get labeled into the conspiracy thing, I don't think it's that at all, too. Um, I, I just look at that like there's, I don't know man, I'm open-minded as hell. And when it comes to any evidence or any other types of things, I honestly think this whole one thing is a snowball effect. This has just been multiple, a conglomerate of shit piled up upon shit, a piled upon shit, where we might be seeing the effects of that. And I think people find want to find an answer to it rather than it being a hundred things. They go to, oh, it's climate change. I'm like, well, it could be a massive amount of shit going on. Yeah, I mean, you hear stories of some Bill Gates-related research where uh, maybe we can block out the sun and make. He the launched better. a missile to our atmosphere to uh, to dissipate particles. That was an idea where if you let this climate narrative get really out of control, uh, right now that seems like if he tried to pass that, it would happen. Yeah, so th I think that's just a horrible idea, and that brings up the point that a lot of the ideas to solve climate change are, would make things way worse, and. Uh, to make stupid energy choices, to try to run the whole country on wind and solar power, terrible idea. Lots of people would die. And then another example is uh, well-meaning people might try to pre prevent bad weather by uh, blocking uh, fossil-fueled energy plants in developing countries, let's say Africa. You think you're doing a good thing by trying to block, a, uh, let's say, a coal plant in Africa. You're trying to help people out by doing that, but I think that's uh, an evil thing to do. I think people need uh, hospitals that are powered by reliable power plants and if you uh if you block reliable power you're doing a bad thing not a good thing yeah there's a when it, that's my main fear about the media thing is that when you purport an enemy to people people try and stop that enemy but they don't realize the chain reaction that's happening if a hospital shuts down they got to run on a backup generator how many things is that generator able to hold and what happens to say if that generator doesn't work properly then you got people dying yep big problem hmm. Okay, uh, I just wanted to uh, mention, um, I love this graph uh, from the US EPA of, of heat waves. It shows that the heat waves in the 1930s, uh, heading into 1940, were way worse uh, than any heat waves we've seen now. And uh, they had this up for quite a while. And I just noticed recently that they changed their emphasis. They didn't wanna show us the whole graph. So they emphasized that heat waves have gone up since this, they cherry picked some time here where there weren't very many heat waves. They're saying, hey, look, because of climate change, heat waves are getting worse. But of course, uh, if you show the whole picture, they're not getting worse. Now, I was talking to a paleontologist, Pierre Ward, who's pretty respected. Um, he has many different hypotheses and is known for a creation of an extinction event as well, too. There is something I think you should look up, which is there. Um, you know how elephant tusks, their ivory was always they were hunted for their tusks. There's the same situation happening with giant clams. Um, his whole thing that he's doing now is he is trying to uh, stop these giant sh uh, shipments and craters of like tons and tons. I mean, thousands of tons of giant clam shells that are being uh, shaved down and filed down to make trinkets out of. And that messes with the coral reef, which has a major environmental impact. Um, he also kind of is in the stance too. And people talk about climate change. He doesn't think that it's this whole entire situation with this heat, even though he talked about being in his house in a hundred degree, 110 degree um, with no air conditioner in Seattle. Um, but 
when it comes to it's these other things such as unethical human treatments of other animals and things that are productive in the environment messing up an ecosystem are the major functions of what he talks about when it comes to climate change not all this gas and human made stuff it's more about humans interaction with the environment when it comes to a factor of ripping animals and stopping animals from populating or doing their uh, system that to me makes a lot more sense and speaking to like i said i don't want to say speaking just to a scientist but also talking to him about that that's a different perspective I never thought of, which I'm sure you can probably find some evidence or find something on that as well, too, and probably see a different perspective from it as well. Yeah, I think it's an important point that there are real environmental problems uh, and there's some real pollution. And uh, I think it's a distraction for us to uh, use all of our energy and money trying to fight carbon dioxide for no good reason. I think we should fight actual pollution and not fake pollution. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, the 35 deadliest tropical cyclones in world history. Yeah, so I just wanted to make this point that um, we're supposed to think that cyclones are uh, getting worse. So if there's a cyclone in any place and it kills 10 people, that's a huge tragedy, of course. But if you look back in, in history and if you just focus on this column right here, you can see that there are a lot of just terrible disasters that happened a long time ago, 1584, whatever, 1281. And this is, of course, is when a lot less people lived on Earth, but there's been a lot of just terrible storms uh, that happen naturally. Humans did not cause them. And um, the death tolls are not going up. I about to say, well, even yeah. if it's yeah. l less people being on the Earth, look at that death count is fucking extreme. Yeah, hundreds of thousands. Yep. I mean, I get it if you're talking about like um, a sense of like, oh, they didn't have protection against this stuff like how we do now. But I'm like, that was 1970 and there was 300,000 to 500,000 fucking deaths. Like, that's not the old West. That is the 1970s. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It's too many so. people on cocaine or something outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's the one I wanted to mention. Uh, I mentioned this before about the polar bear population. The population estimates here from uh, Susan Crockford. 1960s, they don't know for sure how many there were but uh, somewhere in this range. And there's been other population estimates. And you can see that, that now, no matter uh, how you slice it, there's more polar bears around, a lot more now than there were in the 1960s. Yeah. So they carbon said, dioxide. They said there's a range between 25 and 60. And then in the yeah. 1960s, they have, um, yep. it looks like five to 15. Yeah, yep. So anyway, talk about that control knob. If you uh, just turn the CO2 control knob, that's, that's not how you can control polar bear populations. That's, that's not how it works. Here's just another graph that goes way back into time, 600 million years in time. And that part I wanted you to focus on here is this black line. And this is atmospheric CO2 that they've figured out using proxies going way back hundreds of millions of years. And the important point is we are right now down here on the right side. I don't know if you can see the cursor. Yeah. Uh, we are at uh, 400, just over 400. We're supposed to panic because that's too high. But if you look back in time, most of the last uh, hundreds of millions of years have been way higher than it is now. It's, it's historically low if you look at the, that time period. So the, the idea that the air is getting full of CO2 is just not true. That's my major point. That makes sense? And Yeah, and all these graphs yeah. are able for people to look up these evidence as well too, right? Yes, yep, they all, all are. Yep, yep. I, I mentioned this one before too. I think this is a good one that... CO2 is not the climate control knob, but it really is good plant food. And here's a guy that uh, grew this, basically the same tree under different uh, amounts of carbon dioxide. So just if you grow it at 350, the tree is this big. And as you add more CO2 to that ambient CO2, if you add 800 more, if you get to 800, uh, 
then the tree is much, much bigger. You know what sucks is that a, a great point to this would have been talking to your plants, but people think if you're just having an emotional connection with your plant, and it's like, that's not it. When you talk to your plants, whether you yell at them or you're just around them speaking to them, you're letting off carbon dioxide into their air and that's causing them to grow bigger. Like that's why- I you think that's probably true. Effect. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that is, that is a true thing. I, 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 yeah. I talked to a is botanist it, yeah. about that a long time ago. Oh, and he said it was because of the CO2. That yeah. is, I, I don't see why it wouldn't help. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's another point. I think this is a good one about how we're supposed to starve if uh, it gets a little bit warmer. But here up in Canada, we're looking at three provinces up there in this green area uh, outlines uh, where we can grow wheat now. But if we were to get one sea of global cooling, then we're down here. And if it uh, drops another two degrees centigrade, then you can just barely grow wheat up there at all. Um, so this whole idea that warmth makes uh, would reduce the global wheat supply. I, I think that's a non-starter. I think, I think cooling is a much bigger threat than warming, in terms of trying to feed the feed the world. See, my fear right now is is that we have too many people that are already brainwashed into one thing that they're not going to be open to these ideas of looking through at any of this evidence as well, too. Yeah, I do think that the whole COVID experience over the last two years. I think the COVID experience has made a lot of people question whether they should just believe whatever the experts just said. I don't want to get way off into talking about COVID, but I saw, I don't know if you saw this Saturday Night Live skit just from, uh, just from last Saturday, where for five minutes they had a bunch of people kind of questioning the narrative on COVID, which is, uh, it made me happy to see that people might be thinking for themselves a little bit more. I hope so. And I hope it's not just a thing that lasts like a month. You know, people move on to the next thing. It seems like we forget about trends so quickly. It's like not too long ago, everyone was talking about Epstein or no, Gabby Petito. And then everyone forgot about her. And then you hear. That's right. That's right. It's yeah. just the, the, the fluctuations in people's thoughts and what trends is insane. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, this one's kind of a busy graph, but this is just uh, showing us uh, the change in global average temperature over the last uh, few thousand of years. So there's the Minoan, the Minoan warm period, very warm. There's a Roman warm period. And then that was warm enough for the Vikings to settle over in Newfoundland here. And then our current warm period is just another warm period in my view. It's, it's not even war as warm as it naturally was back a few thousand years ago. And again, the, uh, the polar bears lived through that. Almost every species that's alive now, maybe every species lived through this previous warm period. So they're probably not gonna be killed by the current warm period either. And then if you look really carefully later on at this graph, it shows that the cold periods have been worse. There is starvation. I think somewhere it mentions uh, witches being burned, et cetera, that uh, cold periods for humans have definitely been bad periods. Warm periods have been good. Yeah, here's the great famine and black death over here. Yeah, they always say that the uh, cold periods are when you see the, yeah. most, um, you see the least amount of growth. Um, yeah. Warm and periods, it, you see the most amount. Yep, and actually here it is. Uh, uh, witch hunts uh, reached their maximum in 1600. 50,000 witches got burned. Jeez. Yeah, what a tragedy. All the carbon. No. Yeah, because of all the carbon. <sighs> all right, I'm almost to the end here. Um, this, I mentioned this earlier too. This is uh, Northern Hemisphere snow cover extent. If you listen to the propaganda, you think, hey, um, we're getting way less snow than we used to. But if you look at the actual data, we're getting a little more snow than we used to. I don't know if anybody knows why. And it's a natural fluctuation. At some point, it's got it's probably going to fluctuate back. We just had record snow in my yeah. town like last month. Yeah. So yeah. So we'll see. Oh, here's a longer view of sea level rise. I don't know if we've talked about that much, but global sea level rise, uh, according to NASA, sea levels are up eight inches since 1870. So um, that's just uh, 
that's not that big of a rate compared to uh, this is the last interglacial. It rose 400 feet in the last 20 centuries. So on a, average, well, I've ahead. had a few people talking about the younger Dryas impact hypothesis. They mentioned meltwater pulse one a multiple times. So I, I would type that into Google or meltwater pulse one a, and then type in drier younger hypothesis theory in like uh, whenever we get done here, and you'll probably find some articles that'll link both in there as well too, because their whole point as well too is that the earth goes through these cycles and these things. And when you have a, a comet or an asteroid hit a planet that just fluctuates the whole change, it's not humans that are causing a suicidal extinction of their own species in a sense, possibly true, but that happens to probably do with plastics. I mean, our fertility count has dropped from 97, per, 97% from our great grandparents to 42% in today's time, um, which is why you're seeing such a mass amount of infertility issues and also miscarriage issues. Um, there's just everything we use is plastics. Like in Singapore, or they used to be like one child minimums, those types of situations. They're literally paying people to have kids because it's so damn hard for them to have kids. Wow. So I, I, like I said, I think everyone's looking at the wrong uh, robber with a gun. I think everyone's uh, uh, pointing at a random citizen who's using a carry protection, uh, right? <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, here's one I wanted to mention. Just that uh, there's, we're, we're told that, um, Climate catastrophes are supposed to be killing more people, et cetera. But anyway, if you look at human life expectancy over here, it uh, was kind of flattened for quite a while. And oddly enough, we started to burn more fossil fuel and we started to industrialize more and life expectancy is shot way up. So it, there's, a, there's no way that uh, carbon dioxide is worsening the human condition. So far, uh, carbon or so far, the human condition in terms of life expectancy has gotten better. Yeah, where's the comparison to alcohol? Let's see what alcohol is doing to people. Yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> this is my last one, I think. But I do like this one a lot because um, we're supposed to believe that because of carbon dioxide, there's more storms and there's more poverty. And you see that a lot, that um, we should expect increased poverty, but the actual data shows we got way less poverty. And uh, so CO2 is not the poverty control knob. It's more about prices going up and people trying find, finding it hard to be able to pay their bills and also afford food. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that is all I got. All right. Um, if you stop screen sharing, there we go. Um, Tom, like I said, I appreciate you doing the podcast and everything too. What I'm going to do is, like I said in the beginning, I'm trying to get both sides on this as well too. So I'm going to talk to climate scientists. I'm going to get their perspective and I'll be more than happy to have you back on as well too. be able to, I'll bring up some points and I'll let you know in advance, just in case you can pull up evidence to maybe refute it or something like that as well too. But I think it needs to be an open discussion. And sadly, I don't see it really at the point, unless you know another climate scientist that you can talk to on here to be able to have a rational discussion because everybody's so hyped up with their perspective. So I'm more than happy to be the funneling voice to be able to talk to that. But I really appreciate you giving me your time, showing your evidence. Where can people find your blog site as well, too, if you want to promote it real quick, which I'm also going to link in the description? Yeah, the blog is tomnelson.blogspot.com. And then my Twitter handle is just tan123, like the color tan and 123. And again, I do most of my work there on Twitter. And is there anyone out there or anything you feel like you should add um, to the end here for anybody out there listening who might just be questioning or being able to try to figure out what the hell is going on? Uh, no, I guess the big thing is just that you don't have to be an expert. You can check this stuff out for your, yourself. And if you think for yourself and look at the evidence, uh, you will find that there is no climate crisis. If NASA That's can it. hire citizen scientists, I think people can just do a little bit of research and be able to sort out what's true. Absolutely. I agree. So, well, I appreciate you. 
I appreciate you doing the podcast, Tom. And thanks for listening to this episode out of the blank.